Hi, this is Haley Chura. You usually hear me every Thursday co-hosting the Iron Woman podcast with Alyssa Gadeski. Current times are anything but usual, and I have a lot of questions. So I created Iron Woman podcast mini episodes. I ask women who are endurance athletes and experts in their fields to help me and hopefully help you too by answering a few questions in 15 minutes or less. Thanks for listening. This is Haley. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of talking with Vic Brumfield, the chief of staff at USA Triathlon. USAT is a national governing body of triathlon, duathlon, aquabike, off-road triathlon, and paratriathlon in the United States. And with more than 400,000 members and 4,000 sanctioned races, it is the largest multi-sport organization in the world. Just a few weeks ago, USAT launched its Safe Return to Multisport initiative, which outlines racing and training guidelines for the multisport community as we hopefully return to racing and manage the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. I asked Vic about USAT's three-phased approach to return to racing, what races might look like when they do resume, and what kind of changes we might expect for qualification races, including the USAT Age Group National Championships. As always, thank you to the Iron Woman podcast sponsors, Zilio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Forum Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear, as well as our Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find all website links and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com. Now, please enjoy my conversation with USAT Chief of Staff, Vic Brumfield. Hi, Vic. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm super excited to speak with you today, and I want to start this chat with an introduction. Could you give us a brief description of yourself, your history in sport, and your position within USA Triathlon? Oh my gosh, that's a lot of stuff to keep brief. But yes, I currently am the chief of staff of USA Triathlon. And that means I'm a part of the leadership team and I oversee business administration, which is, um, I like to call it the boring stuff, finance, HR, technology. Um, But strategy and planning is where I spend most of my time. So what I do almost every day is make sure that the majority of our resources and time are directly aligned with the strategic priorities of the organization. And it's really cool for me to work at USA Triathlon because I've worked in the endurance sports industry for a really long time, but in a lot of different capacities. Um, But one of my very first gigs was when I worked for a sports marketing agency in New York City. And one of our clients at the time was NYC 2012 when New York was trying to get the Olympic bid. And so we were putting on all these national championships and world championships. It was like really cool stuff. You know, the world championships of wrestling at Madison Square Garden and archery in Central Park. And, you know, all these events, like people like you and I couldn't go show up and like wrestle, nor nor would we want to. But we put on the national championships for triathlon in partnership with USA Triathlon. And it was amazing that 
all of these regular people showed up and jumped into Hudson and participated in this event. And it was such a cool experience for me, um, inspired me to become an endurance athlete. It kind of put me on this career path of working in endurance sports for the next 20 years. And it's really cool to come back full circle and now work for the governing body. Um, in fact, one of the first people I met early on in my career was Tim Yon, and he is my colleague now. So it's, it's pretty wild, pretty cool, and I love it. USA Triathlon did recently release a document detailing its safe return to multi-sport guidelines, which includes a three-phase approach with guidance for a return to racing and training. This, this is the document everyone has been waiting for. Yeah. Could you give us a brief overview of the three phases? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what a crazy time, right? Like, it's, it's just incredible how much the world and the sport and the industry has changed in the last two months or two weeks. You know, it's just, it's every day it's, it's changing. And we knew as the governing body, it was our responsibility to take the guidance that was being put out by the government and saying, how do we adapt this to our sport? Um, how do we apply this? for our constituents, for our race directors, and for our athletes. And so that's what we did. Uh, we came out with, we're, we're actually going to be releasing um, today the guidance for athletes. But what we started with were the guidelines. So we took the guidelines from the government, which were three-phased, and said, how would these then apply against the sport? And then, and I'll talk about those in, in just a minute. But then from there, we said, okay, based on these phases, working with our constituents, how would we apply these guidelines with a series of recommendations across events? And then the athlete pieces, what should athletes expect when they show up to a race, if and when these recommendations are implemented? So in phase one, which is the phase that most of us are in right now, is there's no racing. Uh, there's restrictions, regardless of how we feel about it or regardless of, you know, what's happening in our current communities. The reality is, is that there are restrictions in almost every state that limits our ability to put on events. Um, so that's phase one. Phase two is we're going to see sport starting to come back, but it's going to start to come back with real restrictions and limitations from our local communities and our states. And those restrictions will likely be around distancing protocols and sanitation protocols. And phase three is where, you know, we start to get back to normal, but the reality is we, ha we still have a real responsibility around sanitation protocols and, and things like that. So those are the three phases aligned with the government guidelines. And then from that, we started working with race directors to say, okay, based on this, how do we think we're going to recommend best practices for the application of these guidelines. And that's been a really collaborative, cool process to go through over the last couple of weeks. As you mentioned, most of the U.S. is currently in phase one of those USAT standards with no events permitted by state or local authorities. But I have started to hear about races that are actually scheduled to happen. Yeah. I believe the Bryce Canyon Ultra Marathon in Southern Utah plans to take place at the end of this month with modifications being made to start times and aid stations to comply with local regulations. Obviously, as USA Triathlon, you are, you're, like you said, making guidelines for a big country with a lot of different situations throughout. Have you heard of any areas moving into phase two regarding triathlon? And could we expect a 
triathlon with certain limitations happening in the near future? Yeah, I, you know, to your point there, it's it's going to be different in every jurisdiction. Um, we are hearing that some states are are loosening up much faster than others. I think uh, Indiana and Ohio and Florida, you know, are are opening up at a much rapid, much more rapid pace than than others. And it's going to be different by sport. A trail race in Bryce Canyon with a couple hundred people in it will be a lot uh, easier to implement than a more complicated race with a lot more people and, and fixed infrastructure. Um, one of the challenges with triathlon is we have fixed infrastructure. We have transitions and things like that and venues where people are coming in and out of. And so the answer is I do believe races are going to start coming back. I think you're going to start to see them, especially in the smaller sizes, maybe 250 or less. And I think that race directors are going to have a real challenge or or burden on them to figure out ways to space people out, uh, maybe change the structure of how events are are flowed, you know, more time trial starts and assigning rack numbers to make sure that you have spacing within transition where a lot of smaller races don't typically do rack numbers. So there will be new logistics involved. Um, You mentioned the Bryce Canyon race will have to have new protocols at the aid stations. That's another big area where you're right. New protocols will have to be put in place. Um, You're going to have to be providing volunteers and staff with with proper equipment and training um, to maintain their own safety and the safety of the athletes. But yeah, I think races are going to come back. We know they're going to come back. I don't know about you. I'm dying to get back to racing. I, I was registered for the Leadville series this summer. And, you know, so devastating to know that I won't be able to do those, but I, like, I can't wait to get back to racing. And I, I know that there's been a lot of surveys done across the athlete base and, and athletes are ready. They want to come back when the opportunity is there. Um, they want to know that the opportunity, that the races are going to be responsible and provide, you know, the, the best and safest environment for them, but, but they want to come back. And I, and I think that they will start to um, state by state and jurisdiction by jurisdiction. I am with you there as an athlete. And I feel like you just like slid in this like Leadville series and you definitely downplayed your own athletic oh, no. uh, accomplishments <laughs> in like the first question. Um, were you going to do the trail run and the mountain bike? No, no, just the mountain bike. And just. I will say I've been ahead of my time with social distancing as I am always very far off the back with nobody ever around me. That is, um, so yeah. Better than me. My my mountain bike hasn't <laughs> left the garage in years. <laughs> but, um... Well, I'll tell you what though. I just, I like a lot of our your listeners, you know, I love competition. And it's not about me winning. Like I'll never win. Um, or podium, but that's not what it's about. For me, it's about towing the line, being next to like-minded people, seeing what's possible, pushing limits, and you know, getting a couple high fives along the way. And that's that's going to be hard not to be getting the high fives. But but I think that that's that's why we're all here, and that's what makes us a community and brings us together. And and that's not going to go away. If anything, I think more tension around that desire for community and competition is is building. I'll settle for some air high fives, but you mentioned that USAT is releasing an athlete guide today, which I have not read, but I did go through the 17 page PDF specifically for race directors. And I really found it fascinating. It kind of provided a glimpse of what phase two or phase three triathlon could look like with temperature screenings of everyone at the race venue, time trial starts, face coverings encouraged on the run and very limited or no spectators. 
You mentioned speaking with race directors. Have you heard any feedback about these extra measures and how they might be cost prohibitive or completely change the community feel of a typical triathlon? Yeah, I think we are all going to be case studies moving forward. Every event that starts taking place is going to be a case study for what works, what doesn't work, what's well-received, what isn't well-received, what's financially prohibitive. Um, those are going to be the things we'll, we'll be testing. This is a time of innovation and really thinking differently about how we operate our events. I would say there's probably three big challenges for race directors right now among like a million others, but, but three that come to mind are the first is that while people are ready to race, and, and there is excitement around getting back to racing. Um, there's hesitancy around registering for in, in advance. So knowing the participation size of your event may be challenging. Um, and a lot of these events have fixed costs. That could be the first challenge. The second challenge is that there will be costs associated with additional supplies and equipment. You know, buying temperature, uh, touchless temperature guns things like that, the infrared temperature guns and buying masks and gloves and potentially um, added incentives for volunteers, um, potentially more medical support on site. So there are costs associated. And a lot of these race directors already run very lean operations. They're in it for the love of the sport. They're not in it to get rich. And, you know, I think that the third will be potential size limitation just because of social distancing protocols. Um, it will depend on, you know, venues. Some some cities and, and municipalities will be really great about giving them more time so that they can space out their athletes over a longer period of time. Um, and some will still have time restrictions and may have to reduce the participation size. And so I do think that those will be financial challenges for the race directors. But like I said, they're in it for the love of the sport and they want to make it work and they're willing to try new things. And I'll tell you what, the race directors that we've talked to are so passionate. They're innovative. They're creative. They're looking for solutions. They want to keep the sport alive. And and we feel confident that they will. And it's our role to help curate these best practices and give them the resources and tools and community support that they need to do that. The USAT Age Group National Championships for Sprint and Olympic Distance are scheduled to happen this August. And per my most recent Check of the Race website, Director Brian D'Amico has indicated updates on the status of that race will be communicated directly to athletes as they are known. But I am curious, as we've seen Kona get postponed and the 70.3 World Championships, has USAT made any changes to qualification procedures for that event when so many qualifying races were postponed or canceled? Or will it just go on as a smaller event? Yeah, well, I, I will say Milwaukee and Wisconsin, they are, they're opening up um, pretty quickly and they're, they're actively planning on, on events coming back in, in June and July. Um, so they're, they're planning on us being there in August. Uh, we have relaxed the qualifications process. Um, we've relaxed the percentages. So we go deeper in percentages. We've also extended the qualification period. So I believe it goes back to April 1st, 2019. Um, I think previously it was in July. So we've extended that. Um, and we're also looking at uh, all of 2019 qualifiers being allowed to qualify for 2020. So we are looking at expanding and relaxing those qualification requirements for 2020. 
USA Triathlon safe return to multi-sport guidelines, as well as the race director document that I mentioned are currently available on the USAT website. And, and you mentioned about the upcoming guidance that hopefully we're, by the time this airs, we'll be up there as well, specifically for athletes. Can you say anything to our listeners to encourage them to visit the website and review these guidance documents? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the reality is, is that we all want to come back to racing, but we all also have a responsibility, not only to ourselves, but to our fellow athletes. And the more informed we can be on what on what's happening in in sport and best practices with safety and health and safety, um, the better off we'll be and the faster the sport will come back. The information that we've put on our website is curated from experts. It's curated from expert medical advisors, uh, key organizations like the CDC and the WHO, uh, the USOPC, the Olympic, the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Um, they've put out best practices for return to racing and their medical experts have provided um, guidance in this as well. We're continuing to update these documents, but the more informed you can be, the more responsible we can be together as a sport and the faster we can come back. And I will say with the return to racing for athletes, this is where we're taking these guidelines and recommendations for races and we're helping athletes understand what it is that they may need to prepare for. Athletes, you know, talking about the Bryce Canyon event, I, I guarantee a lot of those athletes are going to have to be carrying their own water. So letting athletes know what they may need to expect in events. There may not be post-race food. There may not be water stations. There may not be baggage checks. They may need to show up with a lot of extra time in advance because there may be uh, longer wait times and, you know, due to spacing requirements, or there may be phase start times. And uh, the other thing we're posting on there is some return to racing training tips uh, for all those of us who've been locked out of our pools for the last few months. Uh, what can we do for a really quick, you know, training to get back in, and ready to get back in the water? So some really great resources will be available. And yes, we encourage you all to go and check out our website. We will definitely link to all of those in our show notes. Encourage our listeners to check them out. I personally need that return to swimming uh, guidance since I have not touched water in a very long time. But uh, thank you so much, Vic, for coming on today and sharing so much good insight with us. And we look forward to hopefully seeing you and throwing out some air high fives in the not too distant future. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I did a quick read of the return to racing recommendations for athletes document that Vic mentioned was published on the USAT website last week. The document includes some really great tips for athletes, such as training to carry your own fluids since aid stations at races might not be available, preparing for longer waits at toilets, do it yourself, body marking, and even some guidance on best practices for race travel. I really encourage all of you, whether you're in the United States or not, to check out this guidance. It is on the USAT website at teamusa.org, but we'll include a direct link in our show notes. Give it a quick look. We all want to safe return to racing, and part of that is us as athletes being prepared and embracing whatever initial modifications might need to be made. Thanks again to USAT Chief of Staff, Vic Brumfield, for being my guest on the show today. This has been Haley Chura from the Iron Women Podcast with another mini episode. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.
You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Taylor Mahan Rudolph. Thank you to our sponsors, Zillio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear, as well as the Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find websites and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thank you.